Are you a Saskatchewan-based Métis entrepreneur looking to start or grow your business? Welcome to Make It Your Business with Victoria Gagné from the Clarence Campo Development Fund, a recognized and successful business resource dedicated to guiding and supporting Métis entrepreneurs on their path to success. With a focus on the Métis community, we share our story and our clients' stories about starting their businesses and how we support them from start to finish. We also deliver innovative financial and professional advice to help you start and run a successful business. Join Victoria and her guests and gain an understanding of the services, programs, and support available for you. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Make It Your Business with Victoria Gagne of CCDF. Victoria, how are you? I'm good, Eric. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm back with you. You've allowed me to come on to another podcast and hang out with you and your amazing guest. And I'm going to read her bio real quick. And this is fantastic. This is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, you have Rebecca Johnstone on. And Rebecca is a Saskatchewan-based entrepreneur who is raising three children while married to a farmer. Rebecca purchased her first budget blinds territory in 2014. Over the past eight years, she expanded to three showrooms and seven territories, building a team of 22 staff members at the time of the sale of her business. In 2022, Rebecca sold her business, even though it wasn't it wasn't even listed for sale, which I think is gonna be an interesting part of that story. Uh, she loves the art of making a deal and has a breadth of business knowledge she's gained over the purchase, expansion, and sale of her business. Victoria, I've got one question. How did you meet Rebecca? Yeah, so Rebecca and I met as a client of CCDF. I actually worked on a deal with her and it wasn't for the purchase of her first budget blinds territory. It was actually a little later on on her expansion journey when she was purchasing one of her buildings. So we've known each other for a couple of years now and every time I talk to Rebecca, I'm just so impressed with her passion for for what she does and why she does it, I think is important. And then also just the insights she has are really special. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for being on the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited for this conversation because I think, you know, uh, the kind of succession planning, when people are thinking of selling their business, I think that's a really important conversation. And then also the fact that you purchased your business to start with. And so I think maybe to start this conversation off, it'd be great how to hear how you stepped into entrepreneurship. Like, how did you come to purchase your first budget blinds territory? Um, yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. Uh, much like we weren't planning to sell the business, I really wasn't planning to buy a business. It uh, wasn't that it was for sale. Uh, we had done a large renovation on our farmhouse, which is about an hour southwest of Moostra. Uh, that was the area of the first territory we purchased. And during the process, uh, I had a really great experience with budget blinds. And so Interestingly enough, we had to wait about two weeks for our appointment. And when the lady came, she did the consult and she was lovely. Uh, and I don't know, something just popped into my head like, holy moly, I had to wait two weeks for this appointment. I know what the average ticket is. It was so easy. I'm going to buy this business. And my husband came home that night and no word of lie. I was like, I think I want to buy that business. And my husband's like, is it for sale? And I was like, no, <laughs> not that I know <laughs> of. Uh, and so anyhow, uh, long story short, I want to say that that was September. I always wish I would have kept a journal, uh, but I want to say that was early September and 
uh, lo and behold, we took uh, ownership of it in, uh, I think it was January 31st of 2014. So um, three, four months later, sure enough, we owned it. And I love this story. What was the owner's reaction? Like, how did you even approach her to say, <laughs> hey, I want to buy your business and it's not for sale. I know that. Yeah. So originally, again, this was over eight years ago now. So, I mean, I'm going to yeah. do my best to tell accurately. So um, I did reach out to her and I, you know, got her information and she said, you know, unfortunately, no, I'm not interested in selling. And I said, no worries. Well, if the time ever comes, please reach out to me. But then that did kind of stir something inside of me where I realized, you know, I do want to go back to work. I'm done having my babies. Um, I want to go back to work. So I started looking into another business actually under the same ownership team. And in that process, I did some due diligence and I reached out to some other franchisees and actually the lady who owned Budget Blinds, I reached out to her and just said, like, I understand you're not for sale, uh, but I'm looking at this other one. Like, do you have any insight? And that was, I want to say that that was, you know, maybe so September, I originally asked if she'd sell it. She said, no, I want to say it was maybe like November-ish. I reached out to her again for some answers on the other business I was looking at. And she said, you know, are you still interested in budget blinds? And I said, yeah, I am. And so there you go. That's how it happened. So originally it was a no. I reached out to her again to ask some questions on a sister company. Um, and then at that point she said, you know, if you are interested, maybe we can strike a deal. And we were able to do that. I think that's so interesting because, you know, when people think of starting an entrepreneurship journey, they either think of starting a business from the ground up, building everything, or when they're purchasing a business, it's like, okay, what's out there and available? And I love the fact that you just saw a business or a business model that really interested you. And, and did correct me if I'm wrong, but did you have any experience in blind specifically at that point, other than being a customer? No, I had no experience in window coverings at all. See, I, I just think that's fantastic because it's really that business model. And like, what was that like for you, I guess, just briefly in terms of, of learning the business and getting into a whole new industry? You know, ignorance is bliss. And I, if I'm being totally honest, I thought it was going to be so easy. I really did. And, uh, and in the end, it really wasn't. There was lots of stumbling blocks. I'd never managed a team. And if I can just be completely honest, if I could go back in time, I think I would have, I would have do a better job uh, than I did those first few months. But it was less about, it was less about the actual business product that I wish I would have done better. It was more about the people piece. Um, mm -hmm. But for window covering specifically, yeah, I, I knew very little, but when you're hungry, when you're humble, when you're smart and when you've got it all on the line and we really did have it all on the line, yeah. man, I'd lay in bed and read. And I'm telling you, it's like reading a dictionary. Like I would read the product guide and back then everything was paper still. There was no iPads <laughs> that we were reading these things off of. So it really was about memorization. Um, you know, you, if you were in someone's home, you certainly weren't going to be like, can I connect to your Wi-Fi?" I mean, a lot of people at that time still didn't even have it in their home, believe it or not, you know? So, yeah. uh, yeah, so it was, it was definitely a steep learning curve, lots of steep sleepless nights. Uh, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And so right. it was sort of, like I say, that ignorance is bliss in the beginning. And I, I just think that's so interesting. And that people piece too, in terms of figuring out how to manage other people when you become a business owner, if that's part of kind of the business you're starting and having employees and, and all of that, and really stepping into that role of 
entrepreneur, which we know is like multifaceted in terms of you're, you can do, you can be installing blinds, you can be managing the actual numbers in the business, you're managing people, like all of this is all encompassed in it. And I'm curious when we talk about your entrepreneurship journey, how do you feel about that word entrepreneur? Is that something you've identified with throughout the years? That's a great question. Um, No, I certainly wouldn't describe myself as an entrepreneur. I suppose to me, the word entrepreneur is someone who starts something from nothing. Uh, And that isn't me. Even in looking forward to whatever comes next, I certainly don't see that being a business that I start from scratch. So entrepreneur wasn't something that I would have described myself as. Uh, If people said, you know, what do you do? I would say, I own a window covering company. I would never say... Um, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, even though I suppose maybe I fit into that criteria. I, I don't know. Yeah. I certainly yeah. wouldn't have used it as a word to describe myself, though. I I think that's so interesting because like, right, CCDF, we support entrepreneurs and we say the purchase, the uh, starting your business, purchasing your business, expanding your business, like that all falls within that enco- encompassment of the term entrepreneurship and I think that's actually really important to hear because I know through my work with the Indigenous Women Entrepreneurship Program there's a lot of research out there that shows that Indigenous women actually don't identify with the term entrepreneur and is it something you've come more to identify with or is it still kind of like what what's your relationship with that word now that you've sold your business? Huh I think entrepreneur is it's like the the goal word. It's like who I want to be. It's like I don't have enough notches in my belt. And so I tell myself, you know, once I've owned two businesses, maybe I'll be an entrepreneur. Or once I've owned three businesses, maybe I'll be an entrepreneur. But as of right now, I just feel like I haven't earned my stripes. Um, hmm. I've had one success and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm, you know, I'm, we have our farm, but I'm involved in a very small way in that. And so I don't feel that's really a notch in my own belt yet. I would say though, it is a confusing time because I didn't just quit a job. So I, when people say, you know, what do you do or what do you do for a living? I can't say, oh, I'm, a, you know, I'm a, I'm a nurse, for example, and I'm taking some time off with my kids. I can't say that. And so defining what I call myself at this stage of the game is is a bit tricky. And maybe I need to work on myself and maybe I need to grow a little and maybe I need to step out and courageously say, I'm an entrepreneur. And right now I'm between projects. So I'm spending time with my kids. I mean, I, I tell myself that, but to verbalize that to yeah. people who say, what do you do? That would be, whew, that would be just a really big bold statement for me to make and feel comfortable saying yeah no I, and I, I so appreciate you sharing that because I think it is something that resonates with a, a lot of entrepreneurs and that like self not it's not self-promotion but that just even the talking about yourself talking about your projects I think is very vulnerable so thank you for sharing that because I think there's it'll resonate with a lot of people and I know it will like the that's what the research shows and um it's just yeah it's just a very interesting conversation there and I think before we I want to talk about this transition out of the sale. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about the growth of your business for a moment. Because I know we've had conversations in the past. You you've sat in on a, a panel on some Indigenous women entrepreneurship workshops we've done and, and shared some of your business advice. And 
And something that stuck with me that you mentioned is your process of growth. And, and you mentioned automate, eliminate, delegate. And I'm just curious if you mind sharing me a bit about that philosophy and how you use that to grow and expand into new new budget lines territories. You bet. So first of all, I can't take credit for that. I actually listened to... Um... And I went to a seminar where uh, another, an author spoke about automate, eliminate, delegate. Yeah. And I just took it with me. I actually have like a picture of it in my mind. So I can't take credit for it, but um, automate, I mean, it started right out early, like early out the gates. Uh, I would see things other businesses were doing and think, gosh, like if I was just big enough, I could do that. Or if I just had a system, I could do that. And so one of the first things we did was automate. And so I actually went down to Phoenix and we had, we were small at the time. I want to say we only had one location still. Um, and we built out this CRM system and I believe it took me about I feel like it took about 10 days I was down there. And that's a huge sacrifice for a business owner to go down and spend 10 days away from your business, away from your family. That's tough, but I did it. And I'll, you know, the system had lots of glitches and stuff, but what it did is it centralized everything. And so that 10 day sacrifice, along with probably about a four week um, learning curve when we got back for our team, I do want to say that that freed up a ton of time for me long-term. So sometimes short-term pain to automate and and onboard because that's a big challenge with staffing at times is onboarding new systems you know people their life is busy their job is busy what they're doing in the day is busy and they know how to do it efficiently so to come in there and mess all that up you know that's that's tough on people but anyway sorry so coming back to the automation piece so automating in the short term takes time but in the long term saves you so much time and that's always the goal really the resource i always felt like i was the most short on was time so Creating time is the goal. So that would be an example of, of automation. Um, you know, that would send out email reminders, text reminders, things that we were trying to do manually because we wanted to be the best in the business. Now all of us in our systems are doing that. And now keep in mind, this was seven years ago, right? So it has just changed so much. Uh, so automation, that's one example. Elimination is a big one. So when you, especially in purchasing a business, sometimes you step in, you want to ruffle as few feathers as possible. So oftentimes I would ask why. So there's a whiteboard and on it every day, things are updated and maybe it takes an admin team an hour to do that. My question was simply, why? Why are we doing that? Who is that helping? Who's checking that? What's the purpose? And you suddenly realize there's a lot of things we do that really don't have purpose. So creating permission to eliminate those things. And if nobody misses it, keep it gone. Leave it alone. Sometimes less is more. So eliminating any kind of um, waste or repetitive tasks, uh, that was always key to me. And then lastly, delegating. So I will preface with, with delegation comes error, especially in the beginning. So you're going to delegate a task and people don't do it just like you. Sometimes they do it better. Sometimes they stumble at first, but by delegating tasks, I want to believe that I gave people more meaningful work. And I want to believe that it, well, I know it freed up a lot of time for me. I think it made people feel valuable when I said, you know, I trust you to do this. I'd appreciate if you could do this. Um, So, and then again, that just freed up a lot of time. So when I free up time, 
I, I typically, I feel like I have a lot more time to think, a lot more time to write things down, a lot more time to be creative. And that's really when I knew I could expand. When I got to the point where I'm like, okay, I've got a handle on this. Now we can expand again. I've got a handle on that. Now we can expand again. Um, a good example is marketing. You know, you kind of do what you do, what you do, what you do over and over and over. If it's not broken, don't fix it. But all of a sudden you have all this time. And so you can start researching. You can start reaching out to different marketing providers and say, Hey, like, what can you offer when you're bogged down with all of those other things, because you haven't automated and you haven't eliminated and you haven't delegated, where do you find the time to do those things? Um, so not just expansion in the sense of more territories, but expansion in the sense of the way you do your business. Hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. No, I think that's so interesting. And I hope entrepreneurs who are listening to this can kind of walk away. I know it's something that even in the role I do, I'm not an entrepreneur. I support entrepreneurs. I'm thinking about these things because it gives that, I love how you put it, not expansion in the sense of necessarily buying new territories or whatever that looks like, but also expansion in the way you do your business. And how do you create time for yourself to kind of step into those areas of mastery in in terms of what you're really passionate about within your business. And I don't know if you, you remember this, Rebecca, but I love the story about the CRM system. It's one of the first conversations we actually had when I had come out to Moosha and we were working on your deal and all of that. You told me about the CRM system and I just love like how those investments and like you said that short-term pain can create this long-term um uh space for you to create for yeah. you to expand um yeah I'll so, just touch on I'll just touch I'll just touch on sorry I'm gonna pause I will just touch on that CRM system too I don't know if this will be helpful to anyone but one thing too is you have to let go so I went out and I built out that program all those years ago and then finally our corporate office came down with a better program and it would have been easy for me to say no way what we have is work what we have works you know no need to redo this again but instead I said no way if there's a better way we're gonna do it and we did and I think it was actually no I know it was a part of what made our business sail so smooth having this excellent CRM system in place put out by our corporate office when so many, um, you know, there's still, as far as I know, many franchisees who aren't using it. And we were one of the first kind of larger um, locations to implement it. It had hiccups, but boy, let me tell you, and massive investment. I went out um, and we bought, I can't even remember exactly how many, you know, iPad pros with Wi-Fi enabled and cellular enabled costs, you know, a lot of money. It's a financial investment but you have to let go of what was good and replace it with something better. And that always has to be the goal, always have to be uh, momentum focused and getting better. And, and again, I, I can't, I can't say that the sale of the business would have been nearly as smooth without us having done that. Right. And thinking about the sale of the business now, I want to kind of talk about that a bit, but I think just so that listeners kind of have a, an understanding maybe of how it came about, you said, you know, in, in the bio, it says you weren't expecting this sale. So, so did someone do the same thing you did to the original uh, territory owner, or what happened there? Yeah, not not quite. So we were approached by our corporate office uh, because a brokerage firm had sold 
some other budget blinds locations. So we were approached and asked like, are you interested in selling? And we had sent our corporate office a very brief bio on our business and said, yeah, like for the right price, right people, right time, we'd consider it. That's kind of always been my mantra, right time, right price, right people. We would consider it. So we sent it and I'm, I'm just going to be super vulnerable. Um, the brokerage house was out of line and never had permission. We never signed off on it and they posted it. It was posted for less than 24 hours. Um, we didn't even know it was posted and the folks who ended up buying it saw it reached out to us. They are just top notch people, the people that bought it really. I can't, I I'd love to speak to how important it is to sell to the right people, but really great people. And they were actually set, they told us how they saw it. So together myself and the new owners actually reached out to our home office and brokerage, um, the broker that listed it without our consent and had it removed immediately. That was before we'd entered into anything. So right off the bat, these buyers were ethical people. You know, they, yeah. they weren't like, well, it says like they were really, really behind me and, and having owned a business themselves, um, totally understood that, that that should never have been put out there, that we would never want our staff to think we had publicly listed our business because yeah. we hadn't put price on anything. We hadn't solicited anything. It, it was an error on, on the brokerage, um, on the brokerage firms. Uh, part, right. which was really unfortunate. But in the end, it worked out because we met these incredible people who now have taken over and from what I know are doing really good things. Right. And I'm curious, now that you're nine months out from selling the business, do you mind sharing some of the lessons or principles that you've kind of learned from going through this transition and this process if you want to speak to having the right partners? Because I think people think about the right price they can think about the right time you know as they're like okay I think I'm ready to transition out of this I've built it whatever but the right people is not necessarily top of mind when you're thinking about selling your business and then if you want to speak to that and then any other lessons you've kind of learned along uh, along the way kind of being nine months out and reflecting on this yeah you bet so uh, I think the things that I knew I needed, I knew I needed a good accountant. I knew I needed a good lawyer um, when it comes to partners. So just thinking about your partners, things I didn't know I needed that I learned very quickly before the process even really was underway. Um, I, I should have had a therapist or a psychologist because it is incredibly emotional. Um, there's so many ups and downs. There's so many unknowns. For me as an entrepreneur, probably part of why I like I just called myself an entrepreneur. I for love me, it. As a business owner, <laughs> for me as a business owner, having control is one of the things that is probably makes me want to own my own business. To be honest, I like having control. All of a sudden, you're selling your business, and there's so many things outside of your control. You can't control the timing of the other people. You can't control the timing of their accountants, their banks, their lawyers. None of that. It's very much beyond your control. Um, so with that comes a lot of emotion, at least for me. So I would just strongly recommend, you know, yes, accountant, yes, lawyer, yes, bankers, if that's part of your equation and yes, a therapist, somebody to help you work through those emotional pieces, because undoubtedly when you pour as much into your business as we do as business owners mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs, you're going to have big feelings and working through those, navigating them, knowing strip me of my business, put me naked in a field and who's left standing there. And do I like her? Is she who I want to be? Am I enough without this business? Like mm -hmm. those are big questions. Yeah. And 
certainly things I'm still working through. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I would say that. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, like, th- thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's so important. And I know we when we were preparing for this podcast, we were talking about how unique the experience of entrepreneurship is and what role mental health plays in that. And so I just appreciate you sharing that. Like for me, my job is to support entrepreneurs, but I'm I don't share that unique experience of building this business. And then all of a sudden, once you sell it, like, where are you now? And what does that look like? And I so I think that's so important when we think about selling a business and what what does that look like for your mental health? What does that look like for just processing? You spent so many years building this and and and, and yeah, I, I just really appreciate that conversation. Um, I'm curious in terms of you talked about being thankful you had the right people there. Um mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that's important on who you're selling it to? Because you could say, you know, I've sold it, I'm removed, like, goodbye. Yeah, um, yeah that's what do you a great think? question. Um, I'm going to just be completely honest. I believe I was lucky. I believe I was blessed that the right people were there. Yeah. It wasn't until partway through the process that I realized I always knew it was important. Um, but I, I, I'll tell a quick story if that's all right. I I met with a gentleman who sold his company and it was a company with a lot of repeat customers. And he was pumped. He sells his business. He's in the money. He's got his windfall. He's happy as a clam. Yeah. Well, he loves his community. So he stays in his community and everywhere he went, people were saying things to him like, oh my goodness, like, why'd you sell your business to these guys? Like they're messing this up and they're messing that up. And we've had to go to another provider because, you know, we're just not getting the level of service we'd become accustomed to. Um, they had staff turnover, et cetera, et cetera. What I know is that you have to know that you can hold your head high in business and you have to know, or you want to know, you can hold your head high with whoever you pass it off to. Because I can, again, I, I want to sing their praises everywhere I go. If anybody said, hey, Rebecca, like we had a problem and so-and-so helped us, they don't even know the business turned hands. They've right. done a great job retaining staff. They've done a great job taking care of clients. They've done a great job continuing with the marketing. You know, I see it coming in the mail. I'm just so proud of what they're continuing to build on. And I can't imagine how terrible that would feel if it was the other way. You know, um, I'm still, I still have a relationship with most of, if not all of my team members I had the the fortune of working with and everybody's happy, you know, they're sure there's changes always a little bit uncomfortable. So there's moments of discomfort, I'm sure, but all in all, you know, they've really keep the focus on the, on the staff and the clients. And really that's all I could ask for. But yeah, I can appreciate now how if that went the other way, it could just, you know, continue to be a discomfort uh, as you make your way around the community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for entrepreneurs who are thinking about selling their business, that's a really important question to to ask yourself that I wouldn't necessarily have thought to ask myself. And it is a matter of, you know, is that important to you when looking to find a buyer? Just knowing what criteria is important to you when you're looking to sell and who you're looking to sell to and what that looks like. But also speaking of criteria, you know, you mentioned you might you might be looking for other opportunities. You're kind of in the season of life and who knows where that'll take you. I think that's really exciting. But if you were looking to 
purchase another business? Do you have any philosophies you've learned through the buying and the selling process in terms of what criteria you'd look for when purchasing another business from the buyer's side? Yeah, for sure. So probably the most fulfilling thing I did when I had budget blinds was providing good jobs to good people. When everything else fell away, I could lay my head down at night knowing I gave good jobs to good people. So whatever I do, I want to be able to create jobs and or um, continue, you know, to uphold jobs in the community. I find that super rewarding. I want to be a part of something that's forward thinking. I feel like things are changing so quickly that anything that could be replaced, expired, eliminated, I feel like those are things I want to steer clear of. And it sounds like nothing, but actually a number of the businesses that we've been presented with um, so far uh, have been very much businesses that when I look at them, I'm like, cheapers, like, is that going to be a business I can sell again in 10 years if I pick it up now? Sure, it makes lots of money and sure, you know, it it, it looks good today, but is it going to have the longevity that I want? So longevity in the business. Um, yeah. Preferably a more frequent buying cycle because I am so focused on treating clients right, because I am so focused on treating staff right, I'm confident that if we had frequent buyers or repeat customers on a more frequent buying cycle that we could win market share because we treat people so well. Uh, So I would prefer a more frequent buying cycle and that kind of lends itself to more business to business or wholesale type businesses. Uh, But that said, I haven't seen anything like that yet. So maybe that, that may be too specific, but certainly that would be my ideal. And then I guess a higher, high enough ticket price. Um, I would rather have fewer clients who I can really care for and really take excellent care in the work I provide for them or the products I'm providing for them um, and have the ticket be larger. So fewer clients, higher average ticket would be, you know, the, the, the money piece of it, I guess, that we'd be looking to kind of um, include in our perfect business description. That's so interesting. And what I love about you, Rebecca, is that through all of this, like every criteria you go through, like people are so front and center in terms of how you treat them, how you relate with the staff you have, creating good jobs for good people. And and I know through our conversations that that's not just something you say, but it's something you really embody. And, and I just so appreciate that about you. So I have a final rapid fire question for you to kind of close this out. And I'm curious, what's one piece of advice you would give someone looking to purchase a business for the first time? Or what do you wish you would have known when you first started, you started your first budget blinds territory? I think the big question to ask yourself is why? Why are you doing it? So when I reflect back on why I bought my first location, I needed to know why. And and I will say part of it was we knew we were going to be moving to the city. We knew that, you know, our kids were likely going to go to school here and we were going to need to buy a house. And so I certainly wanted to cover those costs. But additionally, I had three little kids. I'd been home for a little over three years with them and I needed that flexibility. Um, and I know myself. And so I knew it wasn't going to be a uh, procrastination paralysis type thing for me. I knew that if I owned my own business, I'd get, I'd get the things done. And so I, I want to say too, that my, my why was, was also rooted in having the flexibility to raise my kids, um, and, and stay focused on my family when they needed me. And that I, I was confident that, that the business with the employees that were there when I purchased it, that we could, 
we could do that. And, and I will say we were successful in that. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sorry, I, that's a bit heavy. No, it's, it's, heavy, it's fantastic. But, yeah. And that's I think us. it's, no, it's such a fabulous way, I think, to close out this conversation as well, um, because it's it's a good piece of self-reflection for those who are currently in business. Like, what what is your why? Are you really clear about that? And for those who are looking to start a business, why do you want to start that and help that guide, guide your decision making? I, I, I just appreciate every time I walk away from a conversation with you, Rebecca, I, I get a new new question in my head on on how do I do this better and what can I do? So I just so appreciate your insight and your wisdom. You're such a fabulous example of a Métis entrepreneur. I will say that. Um, and, <laughs> and no, I just, I've just really appreciated this conversation. And I do want to let anyone listening know that CCDF does have programs to help. So if you are thinking about succession planning or selling your business or whatever, we do have business support programs where we can actually pay to help you connect with professionals to start thinking about those questions and, and get some outside perspectives. So thank you so much, Rebecca. It's always a pleasure. It's my pleasure, Victoria. I, I love doing it. And and uh, in the process of the business, I certainly wish there was resources um, that I knew what CCDF had available uh, from the time I first uh, I first stepped into business, because certainly what you've been able to help me with since we've met um, has been invaluable. So thank you and CCDF so, so much. Well, this has been fantastic. Rebecca, again, I want to just echo what Victoria said. Thank you so much. You were very open and honest and vulnerable, and I loved that. It, it came through that you're very passionate about what you do. Victoria, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I know that you invited folks to check out CCDF, but can you give them a, a the web page or a phone number or something they can call if they're interested in, in maybe doing a transition? Absolutely. If you're interested in accessing those supports that I talked about, you can look at clarencecampo.com and you can submit an inquiry right there and someone from our office will reach out to you. All right. Fantastic. Again, to the both of you, thank you so much. And of course, to you, the listening audience, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Make It Your Business podcast with Victoria Gagne. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Victoria comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family, and we humbly ask you to do so. Rate it and leave a review, as this will help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at CCDF, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Make It Your Business, the podcast that identifies market opportunities and provides Saskatchewan-based Métis entrepreneurs with innovative financing and business advice. Have questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.clarencecampo.com, email us at info at or give us a call at 306-657-4870. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Clarence Campo Development Fund. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor, accountant, or other qualified business service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation.